I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin the show with a discussion of Georgia Maloney, who will become Italy's first female prime minister. She doesn't like illegal immigration. She doesn't like the globalists. She doesn't like high taxes. She doesn't like draconian lockdowns, but she does like big families. So what's not to love? everything, apparently, if you're in the media or political establishment. So, of course, she's branded as far right and is being compared to Mussolini. We get into it at the top of the show then and then in more detail with our guest, Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief Dr. Tom Williams. I also discuss the Republicans beginning to roll out their 2023 agenda via Breitbart, which is very cool, which assumes they will at least take back the House. And there's a lot of good stuff in there. I share some of it. Hillary Clinton compared normal Americans to Nazis. Stacey Abrams claims fetal heartbeats are fake news, which is demonic. Kamala Harris is attacking crisis pregnancy centers, which will contribute to the climate of violence we're already in. And the longest witch hunt in history continues as well. They really do want to get that bad orange man so badly. All that and much more in the opening of the show. A lot to cover, so let's get into it. We'll start with the Italian election. We are going to see something pretty exciting, which is that that's and it's a parliamentary system. But Georgia Maloney, who is a, a conservative, will become the first female prime minister of Italy. This is uh, exciting for a number of reasons. First of all, Europe and admit it, we're all sort of rooting for Europe a little bit in the back of our mind. You know, most of us are. Uh, probably angry with Europe over their conduct over arguably the last century, but uh, certainly over the last 20, 30 years, seems like they're a little bit ahead of us in terms of drifting towards leftist globalism and uh, the green nonsense we're obsessed with on a regular basis here. Um, But it does seem like Italy will now join really kind of the Hungary and Poland, even though there's going to be differences in every system as having right of center governance. And it should be a pretty substantial coalition because this is not just going to be a conservative coalition. It's going to be uh, teaming with uh, Matteo Salvini's populist coalition. So it's going to be a populist conservative coalition. So naturally, the media is completely outraged and they're acting as though there's, we're going to see rising uh, fascism. And we're, you know what else we're going to see? We're going to see the end of women's rights. You know how I know we're going to get the end of women's rights? Because we're going to put a woman in charge. So that's uh, that that is the nature of the Orwellian world uh, in which we live. But her platform is uh, pretty awesome. It is uh, her uh, the top left winger who she's going up against said that this is basically like Italy's uh, Brexit, meaning that this is going to be a huge rebuke to the EU. It's going to be a huge rebuke to globalism. And that this is actually, if this comes about, uh, then this will uh, be a massive setback uh, for the EU. And to which I reply, thank God. That sounds incredible. That makes me like Italy even more than I already liked it before. And I already liked it quite a bit because for a number of reasons. Um, But this is the, the, but this is uh, uh, number one. Number two is uh, uh, immigration. Uh, number three, she is a tax cutter, but she wants. Oh yeah, here it is. Enrico Letta, the, who's the uh, the Democratic Party, which is the main rival, said, "I compare this vote to Brexit. It is our Brexit. I will not hand our country over to Maloney." 
separate Italy. This will be this will mean our the, her center right allies and uh, their government will have quote a separate Italy from the rest of Europe. Exactly, that's the whole point. Yes, yes, national sovereignty, the end of globalism, a rebuke to the Davos crowd, to the World Economic Forum, to the Great Reset. Yes, all that, all that's very welcome. We like to see it. We love to see it in the West. Um, and so the again, so it's going to be a tax cuts. But tax cuts with the, trying to prioritize families. Italy's got one of the worst birth rates in the West and has for generations at this point. A fun fact: Mrs. Dr. Marlowe, who did not uh, uh, did not major in the hard sciences when we were at Berkeley together, wrote a massive thesis, honors thesis on uh, the European birth rate. So I don't know if you get it anywhere. But uh, that was uh, one of her fields of study. And so I, this has been on my radar for 15 years. It's just pathetic, absolutely pathetic birth rate has been. And their solutions is just you know, more welfare state. And they, they don't really have a great plan to foster uh, the idea of growing families. And she's going to make that a priority. She's going to try to use a tax code to do it. So pretty much everything on her list is A+. Plus, and it's quite exciting because... Um, Italy's also had a lot of those uh, migrant ships that come to uh, the little island is like Lampedusa, which has come up in the news if you follow Breitbart's uh, Europe coverage very closely. So, uh, again, uh, pretty exciting for me in particular because, you know, I've got Italian family and I think Italy is the coolest place to vacation in the world. But also maybe it's a sign that more st more countries are getting it in Europe. that The globalist experiment is not going well. Global experiment is uh, leaving them in a place where they're massively vulnerable to an energy crisis, to perhaps even food shortages coming up, uh, and they are contracting. They're waning. They're on the decline. It's very clear they're doing so. And maybe there's an alternative approach to just signing over more of your national sovereignty to the EU and Davos, etc. Uh, maybe you could try maybe a conservative government, maybe a populist conservative government, and take on the elites and the status quo. Be pretty exciting. Hey, but I'm really worried about women's rights with women in charge. So this is a, a the plan is to halt illegal immigration and support Italian birth rates via mostly tax cuts. Cool stuff. Exciting. Exciting. All right. Um, also sort of exciting uh, stateside. The Republicans do seem to be heeding the advice of people like me on this show. And I think a lot of the people who try to look down the field in the conservative news and commentary class, and they're starting to release their agenda for when they presumably at least take the House in uh, November and then assume control in January. They got to hit the ground running. And um, Steve Scalise gave us a preview, really the first, I think, articulation of what the agenda is going to be. They were calling it the, the plan to save America, which we broke at Breitbart News, which is, again, it's a great sign. They're not going to the New York Times, not going to Axios, not going to Maggie Haberman, uh, and giving it to Breitbart, like, which is how it should be. It should be conservative media. I'm not saying Breitbart should get every scoop, though I think Breitbart should get every scoop. But it's great when they're going to us. And um, Kevin McCarthy gave us some exclusive content on this. And this seems like all of the key bases are, are getting touched. And again, they have to execute. Of course, they have to execute. Um, but the four key principles, an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future built on freedom, and a government that is accountable, that's a pretty good sign. So we're talking about investigations. We're talking about tackling inflation as best they can, given that Joe Biden's in there. Uh, we're talking about securing our borders. 
keeping our nation strong. Again, this is a having secure borders in an agenda, especially considering the leadership is not going to be, you know, bomb throwing populace. It's going to be a lot of people who've been in Washington for a while and are at least comfortable with the establishment. They're not going to be, you know, the Paul Ryan types. Those those guys are gone. They're not going to be Liz Cheney types. She'll be gone. But the guys who are in there, they're not just, you know, they're not all tea partiers. And they're going to be in there and they're going to be trying to uh, have you keep more of your money, secure your border, and investigate the deep state. At least that's what they're promising us. And um, Kevin McCarthy said... Uh, in exclusive, that on day one, we're going to repeal the 87,000 IRS agents, which I love that. And I think that this is really smart politically to put that forward as one of the um, uh, guiding lights, because I do think that politically that that is representative of Joe Biden's attitude about America, that it's we're in this economic crisis. Um, we're all getting hammered at the gas pump. We're getting hammered in the grocery store. Some of us can't even get the groceries we want. Um, so many supply chain issues are coming up. I've been doing a lot of work around my house. And, you know, you get conditioned to you actually get surprised when things are in stock. Um, I was looking for an oven um, recently, and there's a specific brand that Mrs. Dr. Marlowe likes, and this brand has, there's like three or four different varieties of the oven size that we want, and we were stunned that the uh, place we want to buy from actually had one that we wanted. Of the, of the four permutations, the one we actually wanted, we were, we were shocked. And then we learned that uh, I had articulated to the salesperson the wrong thing, and they actually don't have it. And that, but hey, we could get it next year. I mean, that's not supposed to be the way it is now. It's made in America company, needless to say. Um, so, you know, there's clearly something that's missing that they can't get. That's probably overseas because globalism, even though it's made in America, there's probably some product that's out there that's stuck in a container ship somewhere or is uh, held up by China or held up by Europe. And then you can't put the, put the oven together. And we, we're getting accustomed to things we shouldn't get accustomed to. And that's because the globalist economy is presided over by the Republican establishment, the Democrat establishment, has failed us. And they're failing Europe right now. And a big story all winter long will be tracking to see how bad things get over there, especially as Putin's kind of nuts and is going to continue to withhold uh, natural gas as a power move. So anyway, um, the White House was asked to comment on parts of the GOP agenda that was released, and all they said is it's extreme and ultra-MAGA. And the ultra-MAGAs are a big threat, and all the MAGAs are really bad, and don't forget that the MAGAs are you know, worse than Putin and worse than Xi Jinping and worse than Iran. Even the Saudis, and remember, the Saudis killed Khashoggi. Remember that. The greatest human being who ever lived. Uh, Hillary Clinton was was in on this language. I want to play this cut we have here. This is at the Texas Tribune Festival in Austin. Let's play cut three, please, Mr. Zach. I remember as a as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? 
You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour, and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? So there is a uh, real pressure, and I think, I think it is fair to say we're in a struggle between democracy and autocracy. Yeah, so you guys got it. So all of you out there just know when people in the mainstream of the Democrat Party are looking at you, they're seeing Nazis. And when they're looking at Trump, they're seeing Hitler. We know they've thought Trump was Hitler. You know, they thought Bush was Hitler. They literally say Bush Hitler, one word. So we know that that's not new. That any time you oppose the left in this country, you're going to call Hitler. Just how, how it goes because it's just lazy rhetoric that appeals to really dumb people who like MSNBC and I show up to speeches for Hillary Clinton. Um, by the way, I mean, who wouldn't want to pay six figures for a speech like this? If you've got a big business or if you've got a, a big corporate event or if you've got a big uh, the international conference you're hosting, whew, boy, who wouldn't want to pay two, three, four, five hundred thousand to hear uh, 20 minutes of Hillary speak? That's really good content right there. Brilliant insight. I was thinking when I was younger about all these Nazis raising their hands, and that's like Trump. Yeah. Brilliant woman. Doesn't sound like she's running. That stuff is just not crisp. It's not convincing crisp talking points. Anyway, but the point is, it's the the attacking of the voters, of Americans, that she believes that there are Americans on the verge of, you know, becoming Nazis, full-fledged Nazis. They aren't already. So, and that's how the White House is reacting. And they think this is the right approach to not engage, not unify, not take people who disagree with them seriously politically. It's just called the Nazis move on. Nice. But it's really Trump who's the divider. Sure is. So Trump had a, a few rallies. He's rallying quite a bit. And there are a couple of, a couple of lines. I'll play a couple of couple of clips, or at least one. This was an interesting one. This was Trump talking about Putin. Let's play cut one, Zach, in North Carolina. The N-word. You know what the N-word is? It's, no, no, no. It's the nuclear word. <laughs> he mentioned the N-word yesterday, the nuclear word, not supposed to be mentioned. Yeah, talking about Putin. See, I, I, who cheered? Play it one more time, Zach. This, this is wild. Play, play, listen to the cheer. The N-word. You know what the N-word is? It's, no, no, no. It's the nuclear <laughs> Why do they word. cheer? He That's mentioned not good. the N-word. You're making Hillary look more credible, guys. It's supposed to be mentioned. Everyone just, I know it's a rock concert sort of vibe, but it's the, don't, I, I, next time Trump says the N-word, don't cheer. Don't do it. Not a good move. Um, he was talking about Putin using nuclear weapons, which I'm actually somewhat scared by because I've, I've said this a few times on the show, that even though I'm rooting for Ukraine in the war against Putin, and I do think eventually Putin will, will win, um, the, if there is some, for some reason, Putin does end up losing and needs to not lose, then he does have a Trump card, figuratively speaking. And that's not a good one. It's a very bad one. Though I can't picture him dropping a, a nuke on Ukraine per se. It seems too close in proximity. But there is always a, a last-ditch effort that he could make that would shake things up, I think, in a very negative way. Um, but this type of stuff, it does continue to rub establishmentarians the wrong way. There was a pretty striking 
interview that I saw on uh, ABC's This Week with uh, Senator John Barrasso, Republican from Wyoming. Wyoming continues to uh, produce some, some odd ducks, not just the Cheneys over there. It is Cheney country. And here's Barrasso talking about Donald Trump. Let's play cut eight, please, Mr. Zach. Even though his lawyers have provided no evidence that he declassified the documents, the, Trump said this week that as president, he could declassify documents by thinking about it. Do you agree with that? I've not heard that one before, George. Like I'll tell you, in terms of national security documents, we have to always use extreme caution. I'm on the Foreign Relations Committee. We deal with classified information all of the time and are always very careful. Uh, I don't know what a, what anything about the rules for when a president declassifies documents and information. Uh, what I do know is what I'd like to see from a Senate standpoint is I'd like to see the Department of Justice come to us and show us in a classified setting what the information is, what they've done. I thought this, the raid at the, at the former president's home, uh, never seen anything like that before, clearly, and has become Senator. political. So I want to get a briefing so that we can then be informed to see what actually happened here. That, that, that was a rhetorical question. You know that a president can't declassify documents by thinking about it. Why can't you say so? No. I don't think a president can declassify documents by saying so, by thinking about it. I just don't understand why he doesn't say, I don't accept the, pre the, pre the, the premise, George. I don't accept the premise. He was president for four years. He could have taken whatever these documents were and he could have done whatever he wanted with them. He could have uh, photocopied them and faxed them over to Kim Jong-un if he felt like it. He could have uh, tied them up in a bow and he could have mailed them to Putin with a box of, 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 of high-end chocolates. He could have done that. He could have sold them to Xi Jinping. He could have done anything he wanted with these things. He could have put them up on his Twitter account. But instead they were sitting in Baron Trump's room or something or in Melania's closet. And this is where, but Barrasso, I guess, is generally pretty good. I was kind of boning up on the stuff that he's, he's, what we cover that he does, Breitbart. Most of it seems to be on point. But just an odd, why is he having this conversation with George Stephanopoulos? And if you're going to do it, why isn't the whole point saying, I don't accept the premise, George. No one cares about what you're saying who supports Trump at all. They don't care at all about, about the stuff. It's nonsense. And if you guys had anything, you would have released it already. He's president of the United States. He could have declassified anything. Whether or not he went through the correct protocols or not is immaterial. He had all this stuff, and if he was going to do something bad with it, he had plenty of time to do bad stuff with it. So what do you think he was going to do now? He's going to sell out of the world secrets now? This is an absurd abuse of power, and all of you in the media should be ashamed of yourselves for allowing the climate like this where uh, the deep state thought they could get away with it. And they might not be able to. That's what I would like to hear. I would like to hear some people start talking that way. Some of them will. The next generation will. I don't think uh, the J.D. Vances and the uh, Blake Masters, should they win, would um, uh, play games with Stephanopoulos. But Barasso probably, probably is, is good overall. I, I just was struck by, why did he say at the end, you can't classify documents while you're thinking about it? It should have been, I reject the premise completely. You know, the first thing that was going on, George, and you guys were just creating a, a narrative designed to distract the country. Um, all right. Speaking of distractions, you guys should all get distracted by my son, Hunter. 
Um, Steve Bannon gave it a nice endorsement, which we were grateful for on his War Room show, saying the Bidens are getting off scot-free while the left spent four years trying to impeach a legitimately ele- elected president. 100% true. Lawrence Fox is on. He's always he's always so good. Lawrence is so good. I will watch. We put up a three-minute clip of Lawrence and Nigel talking, and I was thinking about it, Nigel Farage. It wasn't even that good. And I was still thinking about how I still watched it twice because I would listen to Lawrence and Nigel talk about anything. Lawrence plays Hunter Biden. He's a star of it. Um, but it is, uh, Lawrence said on uh, the War Room show that it's uh, absolutely appalling that this drug addict is on a plane with his father selling America's future to the Chinese. Exactly. And uh, I think that it's going to be really fun if uh, Steve's correct that the My Son Hunter movie could come up in impeachment proceedings for, for Joe Biden, which that would be a blast. Because, of course, Biden should get impeached. Of course. For a million things. But definitely the way that uh, Hunter has been able to use his family name and our government to manipulate uh, um, and be able to get himself billions and millions of dollars. All right. A quick update on the JCPA, which is the media cartel bill. We'll get to some of this with Dan Gaynor, but I will mention those of you listening to the live show that uh, there is a, a myth that Ted Cruz put out. And Ted Cruz has now joined the establishment, as those of you heard Thursday's broadcast, and I'm sure Jerome hit it on Friday as well, to a degree. He's now joined the establishment and now backs this bill that would allow for big media and big tech to collude with each other to suppress anti-establishment media and conservative media in particular and lead to a climate of censorship. And yet Ted Cruz has been convinced by someone, I don't know who, but he's been convinced by someone that this is somehow something that big tech doesn't like. Uh, there's no evidence of this. And Alan Bakari has written a very important piece everyone should read about how a Blackburn and Rubio bust myths, JCPA enables big tech collusion with media. And Ted Cruz is saying the exact opposite, completely false. And this is Blackburn has said that it gives more power to both the mainstream media and Silicon Valley. And they're going to collude with each other to set rates and to set what is qualifies as misinformation and disinformation to exclude people who produce misinformation, disinformation from the cartels. And these are the biggest media companies in the world who will do it. It's not going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, the a coalition of Trump supporters with Breitbart. It's going to be. What's going to qualify as misinformation or disinformation will be decided by Facebook, Google, and uh, the big mainstream outlets. Rubio says it opens the door between greater collusion between big tech and media. And we are going to see a huge slush fund created by big tech that will be funneled to establishment media outlets and will not get sent to places like Breitbart. And you know what this is going to do? When there's a big piggy bank of big tech money that's going to establish media outlets, do you think that those outlets are more or less likely to report on the evil that is going on in Silicon Valley? My guess is less. My guess is when they're getting a nice fat check, they're going to be much less inclined to investigate some of the worst people on the planet. So big tech will love this bill, and um, it's highly disappointing that uh, Senator Cruz is uh, behind it now. And I conveyed that personally to his office. I conveyed the disappointment in our audience and in our newsroom at Breitbart. Proponents of the bill have admitted that it would help combat misinformation. And remember, misinformation is not actual misinformation in this day and age. 
Misinformation is anything that the establishment left disagrees with at this time. So that is very important to remember. Furious climate advocates are trying to oust the Trump-appointed World Bank head, a guy named David Malpas. Why? Because he's not into the World Economic Forum, Davos, Great Reset, Green Agenda. And this is another reset Biden's trying to pull off in tandem with Al Gore. So the head of the World Bank um, said it is insufficiently in the middle of a energy crisis like we're in now, in the middle of a, a we're seeing horrifying uh, energy bills coming out of Europe. We're seeing the middle and working class getting squeezed by inflation that they don't want to, uh, Malpas doesn't want to, play, doesn't want to uh, go along with the left-wing elite orthodoxy and climate change. And thus, uh, the he does not want to curb enough man-made burning of fossil fuels at a rapid rate. And that is uh, now Al Gore and uh, Biden are trying to oust him as fast as they can. Kamala Harris has applauded Democrat attorneys generals for taking on crisis pregnancy centers. The crisis pregnancy centers have been the subject of terrorism all summer. And these are these groups largely affiliated with churches uh, that that I reported on in my Summer of Rage series that uh, I recommend to everyone. And it, they've been targeted with dozens of attacks from actual violent terrorists because what do they do? They try to counsel women into having their child instead of scrambling his brains and vacuuming it out. And they provide resources, sometimes spiritual, sometimes literal resources, so that the child can stay healthy and alive and comfortable for a while, while the uh, young woman or young family is able to get their lives in order. Uh, These are wonderful things. They're often Christian and affiliated with churches. And they have been, they've been targeted with terrorism. And Kamala Harris had applauded Democrat attorney generals who are trying to make it so that it's harder for them to operate. You know why? Because the stronger these crisis pregnancy centers are, the weaker the Planned Parenthoods of the world are. The weaker the abortion industry is, which is a multi, 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 multi millions of dollar industry, hundreds of millions a year. And um, that industry is uh, funnels money back to Democrats and funnels more voters to Democrats. The two most powerful things you can do in uh, the politics, money and people. And the abortion lobby's got both, so Kamala pays a lip service to it. Truly evil. An evil one. Not every left-wing idea is evil, but this is evil, to take on these places that are trying to help encourage women to have, to have their children and to not execute them and to try to keep the children uh, healthy and safe. Uh, A report has come out that an FBI SWAT team raided homes of Catholic pro-life advocates as their screaming children watched. Um, This was a report that Paul Bois had for us at Breitbart. It may have been the most shared story we had over the weekend. A Catholic pro-life activist, children had to uh, watch a fully armored SWAT team raid, do a raid this week. Matt Hook, who's the founder and president of the King's Men, a group that helps men overcome pornography addiction, was arrested at his rural Pennsylvania home on Friday for allegedly violating 
a, the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act during his regular sidewalk counseling outside of an abortion clinic in 2021. And 25 to 30 fully armed FBI agents stormed the property, aiming their rifles, allegedly, as children screamed, sort of pounding on the door and yelling. That they, uh, this the huge rifles, allegedly. And this was, it was demanded that they present um, a warrant legitimize what's going on seems very stressful for all the people who are involved and apparently family members were being harassed during the process it, it obviously an unnecessary show of force that this happened even if this guy had done something wrong and I don't see any reason to believe there is necessarily but even if he did then why 25 30 people for a guy with a bunch of children who's trying to help people get over porn addiction doesn't seem like an appropriate use of resources. So long gone are the days where the FBI is seen as a credible force. Stacey Abrams was mocked for claiming that a fetal heartbeat is a manufactured sound to outlaw abortion. Another one where she should be disqualified from ever holding any office. Those of you in Georgia who are unsatisfied with Governor Kemp. Fetal harpies, a manufactured sound to outlaw an abortion. Um, how many of you know how many children Miss Abrams has? You guessed correctly. She has zero. And you know how you know? Because I will tell you, one of the most profound moments of my life was the first time I heard Master Marlowe's heartbeat. After about probably nine, ten weeks, probably, is when you hear it. It's about when? In the womb? One of the most profound moments of my life hearing your baby's heartbeat for the first time. And she's a manufactured sound. Uh, why did the, when did the Democrats get so demonic? Have I just been this naive about them? They're not all like this. They weren't all like this. But acting like a heartbeat is not real because it's inconvenient to you pandering to the abortion left. It's a, there's, sometimes you disagree with the Democrats on, you know, tax rate, even stuff like, you know, how how strong of a border or how strong you stand up to China. Like, I'm on polar opposites with Democrats on that, but I don't think that their position is necessarily evil. And that's an evil position. But I will conclude the opening with a, the greatest video, and I believe this was out of Los Angeles, uh, that I ever saw. And I, I, I don't think... I don't think this was a fake, and if it was, it was the best fake I've ever seen. But a viral video has gone online of a woman walking a dog with a face mask outside. Dog takes a poo-poo. She picks it up with her face mask, puts the poo-poo in a trash can, and then puts the mask back on her face. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I know for sure that this is a hoax or not, but I'm saying if it's not a hoax, all of you could believe that this actually did happen because that's the age we're in. You use the mask to pick up the dog poop, put it back in your face because you know why? SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus pandemic.
is a pleasure to talk to Dr. Tom Williams about just about anything. And today we talk about Italian politics. He's our Rome bureau chief, though a, a American by birth. He's been in Rome for a long time, and he is pretty excited, I have to say. And that comes through in the interview. But he's got a lot of details about who Georgia Maloney is, who's going to be in her coalition, and how the people of Italy, through the democratic process, are standing up to their media and their establishments and the globalists in the EU, and they're choosing a new path forward and a path forward that sounds pretty good from here, from my vantage point. Let's hear from Dr. Tom. Dr. Tom, good morning. He's a Rome Bureau chief. Are you stateside or are you in, in Italy right now? No, I am momentarily stateside, but I've been following this uh, election with great interest. In fact, I was very sad since I was traveling uh, that I wasn't able to vote yesterday because I would have loved to be able to claim this victory, at least partially for myself. Um, I know that you've had a had a family uh, emergency, so I really appreciate you guys coming in and um, especially this early. So I, I set up kind of the basics at the opening of the show, but uh, we're on the verge of something pretty historic in Italy. Explain exactly what's going on. Introduce us to the new or soon to be prime minister, how she won or how she's winning, who's in the coalition, how the media's react and just give me the 30,000 foot and we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, so the winner by far, and everyone recognizes this, is not only a party, but it's a person. Georgia Maloney will be Italy's first female prime minister. Uh, she ran on a no-nonsense platform saying, I am a Christian. I am a mother. I believe in Italy. I am a Euroskeptic. I, she just laid out in very, very clear terms what she believes. She believes in the flat tax to save uh, Italy's economy. She was very opposed to the draconian measures employed to contain the coronavirus and felt that it was that it destroyed the country's children and the country's economy. She's just very outspoken, anti-woke. Uh, and in actually, the most interesting thing for me is watching how the left's heads, you know, uh, collective head is exploding uh, because they can't and the language that they use of ultra destra, they call her, or, you know, just far right or fascist or the most right leader since Mussolini. These are all titles we get from CNN and the BBC and even Agence France Press came out with this. So it's very interesting to see that the Italians have actually spoken. This is how democracy works. Yes, when you right. get a very, very clear mandate with such a stunning victory, the center right took 44 uh, percent. The center left took 27 percent. That is so such a, a big gap. It really shows where the people are and that the people are completely fed up with, by the way, the leadership that's been running the country for the last four years, which was not elected. It was it was placed in there. The people did not have a say in it. This is a victory for democracy as well. And the coalition is not just conservatives. It's also populist. It's very anti-EU. It's 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 closed or at least stronger borders. It's uh, family values over, you know, Euro, Euro, European uh, Union style, great reset values. Explain this as well. That is, that is exactly the case. Um, I like to point out they are not anti-immigrant. They are anti-mass immigration. They're anti-uncontrolled immigration. I mean, people, again, like to demonize everything. What they say is we can't go on like this. Basically, what Salvini said back in 2018, he was the first interior minister ever really to, to put a stop to that crazy migration that began in 2014. 
Uh, and she has continued with that. She's always been on, on this side of things. In fact, she's in coalition with Salvini from the league. They only got 8%, but they made up a significant portion. And even uh, Berlusconi's Forza Italia party showed up with 9%. So, I mean, they, they actually have a pretty strong mandate uh, together. And I think everyone's very excited about that as well, because she won't be governing alone. She will. In these coming days, we're going to see who she starts naming for her cabinet. But it's going to be a really good moment to see kind of a stop put uh, to the to the crazy policies of the left. And they're very she's anti uh gender indoctrination, all these things that have been showing up even in Italian schools. And Italy is still a fairly conservative country. But the left is so powerful in in Europe and really from Brussels. They try to impose these very, very far left programs. And finally, you know, somebody stands up and says, we don't believe in this. We don't want this. And the Italians agreed. Um, And that's so she's being framed as far right. And the Breitbart were framed as far right all the time and i think if you look at my positions first of all we're i'm pretty open about every single position i have and i'm editor of breitbart and so i think that's be a good sign of kind of where we're at and i would say if i differ from the mainstream right it's as often because i'm trying to uh, uh i don't want to say steal or rip off but borrow from some of the left's better ideas uh like for example the tax code favors the rich too much we're in too many wars uh we are you know, the, the the if anything, I'm more populist than your average right wing person. I think you are, too, Dr. Tom. Yeah, we're branded as far right. So all that to say it's it's baloney. Does she hold far right positions or we should should we be aware of some sort of impending fascism uh, that's going to sweep your continent now because of this? I mean, there is nothing in in the, the only fascism that has really ever existed was that period under Mussolini. The use of the term is meant to evoke fear. Uh, but there's nothing even even closely resembling uh, any of Berlusconi's uh, – sorry, Berlusconi's – Mussolini's positions on things. And she's certainly not a warmonger. In fact, she's a sovereignist. She does not want Italy in war. She is, she is not a conqueror. She's not uh, looking for an empire. She just looks for Italy to take its sovereignty and its nation back. She is a true populist. She believes in the people. Uh, they ran on Italy first and Italians first, something very familiar to us from the Trump era, uh, basically saying, you know, we've sold out too much of our country uh, and we're not governing ourselves anymore. So it was really a statement about about self-government. So I don't see anything in there uh, that resembles historical fascism. So I, I think simply this is a game since they don't have arguments against her because the people are with her. They, they try to demonize her with this kind of label that, again, is supposed to you know, conjure up these specters of a past that was very dark. And, but it's false. It, it, that is truly fake news. And the fact that, you know, they're not calling each other out, um, the, the liberal elites, it just shows how they are because they're lying. Why do people hate this woman so much already, Dr. Tom? It kind of blows my mind. She's like Clarence Thomas, the wrong kind of black. She's the wrong kind of woman. It's in fact, CNN had a long section of its main article saying that she was not pro-women's rights. You have a woman yeah. who's breaking a glass ceiling as the first prime, right. female prime minister, a huge victory for women. And, so, and they're saying because she's not pro-abortion, she is not for women's rights. I mean, she's the female really face of the patriarchy, down. Dr. Tom. Well, that's what it is. Patriarchy does not have a female face. I'm sorry. You can you, you can't you can't have it both ways. If it's a patriarchy. What? You know what I mean? The, that's too logical. Is, that's, 
you're way out of place. So, so, so what does she believe? What does she believe? What is the, the key tenets of her campaign and what do you anticipate will happen for your country? I mean, your well, country's she's going to promote too, the but, economy, which is a yeah. huge concern right now. Uh, yeah. It's after the pandemic. Italy has been in free fall. They, it, we weren't in good shape before the pandemic. Um, and especially the flat tax was kind of a core element of this. This is something that uh, a few years ago was it was instated and then it was taken away. And actually, it's proven to be very, very effective in, in every country in Europe that's tried it. So that's one thing. Uh, firmer borders, because ever since the PD, that's the Democratic Party here, left wing, uh, came into power. The borders are opened back up again, and we have had a huge influx of, of migrants. So she is basically going to reinstate a policy of, you know, no NGOs. You cannot continue to carry on a shuttle service from Africa to Italy. Uh, she is going to, she's very, very into the education question and returning authority back to parents. She's very pro-family. And she realizes that a lot of families feel that they've been betrayed by their government, by the education system that is imposing a series of indoctrinal indoctrinations that they simply do not believe in. Uh, she is pro-church. Um, I don't think the Italian church necessarily likes her very much because it's very left-wing, but she is overtly Christian. Um, she has spoken in the past about being careful, watching out for an Islamization of the country. Uh, she does not believe that that is good for Italian culture, culture uh, keeping Italy alive with its identity as it is. Um, these are things that we've been hearing. I mean, there's nothing about this that's exceptionally far right. These are the the center right has long espoused very, very similar uh, positions to these. So to you know evoke again the specter of of, of Mussolini and say this is, no, this is basically a very clear uh, laid out position. By the way, which most Italians themselves hold. So she's a populist in the truest sense that she really does appeal to and speak for the people. Uh, this is not someone who's coming in with an iron boot who wants to subjugate the people, which is basically what's been happening in the last several years. She actually wants to give the power back to the people again. So what does that look like, giving the power back to the people? What do you think is on the uh, the first couple items on the agenda? And will she be able to, will her, will her coalition be big enough to be able to pull, to pull it off right away? Will she be able to hit the ground running? Well, that, that's a question, too. Um, I think they are committed to working together. This is a much better coalition than the last one had, the populist coalition between the, the Cinque Stelle, the Five Star Movement, and the Lega, the League, because that had right and left, and they were in disagreement on some major issues. We've got a lot of commonality between the three par among the three parties that are now going to be ruling, uh, so they will be able to rule. She's going to bring them in, members of the other parties, into this, into her cabinet, into positions of, of, of authority. So I think, yes, she will be able to rule. They, um, the left will do everything in its power to stymie her efforts, and they, they're very good at that. They own a lot of the bureaucracy the way they do yeah, in the United States. Right, they get sure. into these positions. Um, and they're making well, a big deal now. This is the yeah, and, and the Pope is out there calling for more migrants, and she's taking a much more hard line on immigration. How is this going to, is this the, a potential um, a saga that could be a, a, a factor here? Because the Pope's there, you know, in, the Va in Vatican City saying we need more imported people to Rome. And, 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 well, this is a um, very unpopular Italy. position the Pope has yeah. taken. Uh, this is not something that is going to, he's not going to get the Italians behind him on this question. Uh, they're with him on certain other issues, uh, but they are not with him on open borders. 
And this is something part of the reason that that she's getting elected and the center right is coming in is because people are really scared. They saw what happened a few years ago under Renzi when you had this huge influx of migrants and a huge uptick in crime. You had uh, you had borders closing in the north of Italy with the rest of Europe because everybody else was frightened that they were going to be pouring out of Italy into their countries. Nobody wants this. That's today's broadcast. Thanks so much to Zach Jones and Greg Evan, who produced the show. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. And all of you went to mysonhunter.com, checked out the movie, told 10,000 friends and family members about the show, about whatever your favorite way to get Breitbart's content. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.